0: Do you work in a B2B organization where your salespeople are the influencers? If you're trying to figure out how to make the influence that salespeople have, how to make that work for your marketing, this episode of the Maximize Your Social Influence episode will be the perfect remedy for the medicine that you are seeking. Welcome to the Maximize Your Social Influence podcast with Neil Schaefer, where I help marketers, entrepreneurs, and business owners grow their businesses using innovative marketing techniques, leveraging the concept of digital influence throughout digital and social media. Hey everybody, Neil Schaefer here. Welcome to episode number 208, that's right, 208 of the Maximize Your Social Influence podcast. Today we have a very special guest, someone who is keynoting content marketing world this year. She is well known as a thought leader in the content marketing space. She is the author of not one, not two, but three books about content marketing, the modern AI marketer, global content marketing, and most recently, and most relevant for this episode, effective sales enablement. Now, if you work in a sales organization, or I should say a B2B organization, you might have heard me speak before, about when we look at employee influencers in B2B organizations, the salespeople are the influencers. They can monetize their influence. They're not Kim Kardashians. Yet, if they're out there in social media and people are consuming their content and they're building like no and trust that inevitably will result in more sales and therefore more commissions. That's the ROI of their influencer marketing. So. If you are a business leader or you work in marketing and you're trying to figure out how do I leverage the influence that our B2B sales team has, especially because they are customer facing. Well, this episode is with none other than Pam Didner, the author of those three books, as I said, uh, content marketing, B2B marketing thought leader. And she is here today to give us five creative ways to set up our B2B sales team for success. Now, perhaps you're not in a B2B organization. I would urge you to still listen along because the concept of leveraging your internal employees and aligning your content with them and collaborating with them is a hallmark of an employee influencer program. This is how it would be applied to B2B, but there is an equal way to apply to B2C. You're just gonna have to do a little bit more creative soul searching to find out how to do that. But hey, that's enough for me. Without further ado, here's my interview with Pam Didner, author of Effective Sales Enablement. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Maximize Your Social Influence podcast. Today, we have a very special guest who is going to be talking to us about B2B sales. Now, this podcast talks about influence and while it's primarily geared towards marketers, if you remember the podcast interview I had with Chris Stewart, the CEO of Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, you'll know that there are many salespeople like real estate agents that are also, they need to be marketers as well, right? Or That's a lot true entrepreneurs that need to be both sales and marketers. So I think it's really relevant. If you work in a B2B company, there's a lot of alignment that needs to take place between sales and marketing that I know Pam is going to cover for us in this interview. So Pam, welcome to the uh, Maximize Your Social Influence podcast.
1: Neil, thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh no, thank you so much for coming Pam. You've been one of the thought leaders in marketing for some time. I know that you have you have a new book coming out or you you recently published a new book or am I mistaking you with someone else?
1: No, I don't have a new book coming out. Unfortunately, I wish I do and but I did publish a little ebook and AI modern marketer. That's it's what I was really talking of. about the artificial intelligence, its ramification in the overall B2B marketing landscape. So, that's a little ebook on Amazon.
0: Awesome. And once again, in order to find that, Pam Didner, D-I-D-N-E-R, you'll also find her book, Global Content Marketing, I believe?
1: Yeah, I have two books. One is Global Content Marketing, How to Scale Content Across Regions, and another one is Effective Sales Enablement, which is our key topic, How to Support Sales, Enable Sales as a Marketer.
0: So sales enablement is Mm -hmm. a funny word that I suppose if you work in, I remember my background for those that know me is B2B sales. And we all of a sudden had this inside sales department. I'm like, what is inside sales? (laughs) Am I an outside? And and so in a similar way, sales enablement is another one of these buzzwords that over time has begun to live in organizations. Can you please sort of first, let's start with the definition of what that is.
1: Yeah. So sales enablement is, is really coming from in the back, I would say in early eighties. And that a lot of companies start selling technologies and foremost was IBM. So IBM was selling the mainframe computer before they moved into the PC. And the computers or any kind of a technology related product requires a lot of explaining like somebody for someone who has no experience in the technical background or understand what computer will do, you need to explain what that is. So the salespeople at IBM, somehow they need to be educated in terms of what the products were, and -hmm. how they should talk about their products. So in the past, way before that, when you sell anything, you literally just basically show the products do a lot of show and tell and people can sell the product. But and once the technology came along, you cannot do that anymore because technology is a whole lot more sophisticated and complicated. You need to educate people for them to understand what that is. Therefore, you need to enable salespeople. So for a long time, the sales enablement or definition of sales enablement is really about onboarding and training okay. of the sales professionals. But over a period of time, what I have noticed is for B2B marketers like you and me, job in addition to build a brain awareness and drive a uh, uh, drive demands uh, a portion of our job is also supporting sales and the one major functions of doing that is provide content that salespeople can use so not just educating themselves they can also use it to share with their clients or the prospects
0: gotcha yeah makes a lot of sense Mm-hmm. And I, I think we're going to talk more about that sort of how enablement is sort of aligned with alignment between yeah. sales and marketing. Yes. But let's first start with how you can help sales via different sales stages. So I'm assuming this comes as part of the sales enablement pro- program,
1: Programs, yep.
0: but, it, but it's fueled with, with content in the background as well, I'm assuming as mm-hmm. well, correct?
1: True, true, true. So I love that you brought up sales stages. For marketers, we tend to think about buyer's journeys. Right, so when we create content, we kind of map out content to different sales, the bias buyer's journey from the time they become aware of our products and then start doing research and then start you kind of move them down to the channels, and the purchase channel if you will. So marketers tend to think about buyer's journey, but when you talk to salespeople, they were like, Mm-mm, it's really about how I'm going to sell. So Neil, you brought a very good point. It's the sales stages. So from sales perspective, they were like, okay, I have a prospect. I need to qualify the person once i start qualifying them i probably need to start having conversation with them once i have a conversation with them they might be showing interest they want to see a demo if they see a demo then we probably can can move on to the proposal stage and then we close the deal granted the sales stages is not that linear but from sales perspective they usually follow like four or five sales stages right? So they prospect, they qualify, they do demo, and they send out a proposal, and they close the deal. So the salespeople think from that perspective, if you are supporting sales, you need to map the content at a minimal level to sales stages in order to have a conversation with them.
0: And, and therefore, marketers are probably always thinking about the buyer's journey. I know. But they, they're not necessarily mapping out the content. Content. To each yeah. of the stages. So those right. that have never heard about our company. And then when they get into the next stage of the journey, what does that look like? And I'm assuming over time you get more technical over time. There's also going to be some competitive pieces of how you compare totally,
1: with totally. and the whole pair, And, and right. that also
0: gives you sort of a roadmap for the content that you need to create. Right.
1: Right. So, You brought a very good point, Neil. I mean, a lot of time we have editorial, especially in the content marketing, we have editorial planning. We actually have a different content pieces that we will create for different personas, also different buyer's journey. And I'm not saying that all the content we create in the marketing applies to the sales 100%, but there are certain pieces that certainly can apply into a, a sales stages. Your product overview can apply to marketing, can also apply to sales. Competitive guy can apply to marketing, can apply to sales. Some of the content that you created, a white paper, is more thought leadership driven. That can also be a conversational opener for your salespeople, especially in during the stage between, say, you qualifying them and also doing a demo. You want to get them to interested in your product. You can certainly use certain uh, pieces of content that marketing create to keep driving that conversation and moving your prospect to a different uh, for the next stage.
0: So I guess the first. to point out is if you're in marketing, be aware of the buyer's journey and of specifically making content for that. But is there a part of this, and maybe you're going to get to this a little bit later in the interview, where you actually want to come together with your salespeople and have your content strategy for the buyer's journey informed by them? Is that a best practice these days or how you far know, are we going?
1: That really depends. Neil, you brought a very good point. There are many ways to work with sales, especially uh, try to understand what kind of content they need. And you, uh, your suggestion in terms of having conversation with sales and understand their needs, incorporate that into part of your content planning. I think that's a right. That's definitely a very ideal ways of doing it. However, I have come to realize a lot of times people are very busy. They are not necessarily want to talk to you. And they just basically, they want whatever content you have. Can you just share with me? I can give you some feedback in terms of will this apply to me? But a lot of time, if you want salespeople to think and brainstorm with you and give you information, not every salesperson like that. They kind of want to be fed. (laughs) So then you have to do kind of like the trial and error type of approach and show them the content and also explain to them why you show them specific type of content. And the best way to show them that content is map into a sales stages. But I do agree with you. If you can get your salespeople's feedback in advance, that will help tremendously. If nothing else, try to understand what kind of content pieces use in the past that also help. Or if you have a content management library, especially on the sales side, you can go to the content management library or sales enablement platform to see what kind of content that tend to be downloaded the most mm. by the salespeople. That will also give you a clue in terms of what you need to support them.
0: I know you've obviously worked with a lot of companies in your career and, and, and what have you. Have you seen innovative ways, unique ways in which marketers have been able to get this sort of information out of salespeople. You know, I've heard of like, you know, Bribing,
1: and- bribing does help.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of Lunch and Learns and yeah. here's a Google voice number, you know, call this number if you have any thoughts yeah. or I mean, any.
1: Yeah, in general, I have to say working with sales tend to be, you know, salespeople are very relationship driven. And that's how to, they build their accounts or their customer. It's a lot to do with relationship. And I don't think that's been taken away even in the virtual communication. There's still very much relationship-based type of approach when you want to close any kind of sales. I mean, how many times, Neil, you and I, we get clients from referrals. That's because we have the relationship with our existing customers. We did a pretty good job. And they say, hey, you know what? If you want to do influencer marketing, talk to Neil Schaefer." right? So it's coming from that. So it's still very much relationship-based type of approach come down to sales. And my recommendation for marketers to build that relationship is you have to think you have to be, you have to do a long play. If you, you cannot just like, okay, I want a sales, I want, to, I want to know what you want, and then I have the one-off communication with you. Is it possible that you can attend their sales huddle meeting? Is that possible that you, from time to time, you're sending information that you think that might be helpful to them? Is it possible that you have some information that help their specific accounts? So find a way to provide value and then build that relationship over a period of time. What I have come to realize is supporting sales is very similar to what salespeople try to build a relationship with their prospects and the potential customers. You need to take a similar approach to build that relationship with your salespeople. I can tell you, if you are just starting doing that, you have no relationship with any sales reps and you want to start building that. Some sales reps might welcome that, but many salespeople couldn't kill us. Right. Because whatever you do is not going to help them in terms of like for them to meet the, the, the quota of the month. Does that make sense? They, they will come talk to you when they need something. But if they don't need anything, they don't want to talk to you. That's kind of reality. I hate saying it. So over a period of time, you kind of need to find out what they want and the build and provide value over time to build that relationship. It's a long play. There's no shortcut, Neil. As much as I want to share with everybody, I was like, hey, there's an easy way you can build a relationship with your salespeople. You know what? Mm, there's no shortcut. It's a relationship uh, approach. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's that's awesome, Pam. And it really speaks to a lot of what I talk about with influencer marketing, and I think what we discussed in your podcast. And you know, when we look at it from from a B two B perspective, you know, I talk about influencer marketing being, you know, there's there's influence all around us. It's not right. just it's not just bloggers, it's your customers, it's your partners, and many times yep. it's your employees. And in a B2B organization, your biggest influencers are probably your salespeople, and they're the ones who can monetize their influence by yeah. getting more sales, right? And getting bigger bonuses. So, exactly. So, when so, you think about it that way, the same reason why you need to build relationships with influencers outside of your company, you need to take the same approach inside. And if you're B2B specifically with those salespeople and find different ways, to incentivize them. Free social media training, free photo shoots, whatever it is. But there you go. It's all based on that relationship.
1: You hit the core. You hit the core.
0: (laughs) Awesome. So we've we've sort of identified these different sales stages and we're beginning to map our marketing content now to not just the different stages, but just sort of the the sales cycle, right? We've already sort of talked about different ways in which we can take that forward. What other ways can we collaborate and really align what we're doing with sales so that we get the biggest you know, impact for our marketing budget?
1: You know, there are so many ways to actually collaborate and work with sales team. And I always feel that whatever marketing channels or marketing campaigns that you are doing, And any kind of marketing tricks that you have, you can actually apply supporting sales. And let me give you a couple examples. If you actually do, say, email marketing, right, and you run a lot of email marketing campaigns, well, how do you translate that or convert that to supporting sales? What about you run account-based email marketing campaigns? right? So you identify probably 200 accounts in the Salesforce or their CRM database, and that people have not, it's on their contact uh, database that have not talked to us actually for a long period of time. But but six months ago, they show some sort of of interest. And you can run account-based or account-specific win-back email marketing. Be very specific in terms of the content that you choose. Be very specific about the email marketing that you wrote in terms of your copy. And see if you can get additional leads for your salespeople. And another thing is, if you do event marketing, and I know a lot of people do event marketing, and they do industry events, sponsorship. They also do, you know, customer events. Uh, If the company is big enough, they actually have an annual customer event. But you can also do account-specific type of event for a top account. For example, if you have two or three strategic accounts and they brought probably 30% of revenue for your companies, you can run a very nice, tailored, customized events for them. Does that make sense? And if you do retargeting ads, same thing. Is it possible that you can take look at your CRM database and see what are the potential prospects or leads that actually show express in, or express and show some sort of interest in the past? you run retargeting ads to them but of course you have to clean up the database first to make sure you are the quality of your the lead information is current so what i'm trying to say is in every single marketing elements that you have in your sleeves if you apply on the sales side and be very targeted and account specific it's basically sales enablement to some extent does that make sense neil
0: it does and you know i've always thought that account based marketing is marketers thinking like salespeople. They can't sell the same way to every organization because every organization's needs are different. But if they can have their marketing team, you know, have the whole digital properties and content customized for each one of their clients, I mean, that's amazing. And, and therefore, I think what you what you just said makes a, a tremendous amount of sense. And I would yeah. argue that every marketer should be doing that. They should have been doing that for some time. The technology enables, pun intended, enables them to do it a lot easier than they could have 10 or 20 years ago, right? Where it would have have cost a lot more money to create specific PDF, not even PDFs, but like pamphlets and and written content. But these days it's easy to do digitally. So I think that's great advice.
1: The only drawback or something that people tend to overlook, I do agree with you, Neil. It's like, if you are using those tools, if you are using your, your marketing channels already, why don't you just expand that, amplify on the sales side? But a lot of time, you still need to look at the back end. Make sure that your tool can support that. Make sure that your CRM is talking to your marketing automation tool. Make sure that the quality of the data is current. We always have a quality the, for our um customer database there is always data decay every 3 or 4 months like people moving around they change their job so there's a data decay how to maintain the certain quality and the current of your database is very critical that plays a huge role in terms of how you can better support sales team
0: yeah no absolutely so and the
1: data cleaning is such a boring job nobody wants to do it is mundane and nobody can take credit. That is such a, such a job that is so critical, but not getting enough credit.
0: <laughs> no, it's true. And the engagement of your list will impact deliverability. And, and I mean, yeah, it, as you can imagine, totally
1: agree. Totally yeah,
0: agree. Yeah, no, it's so funny. So when we think about sales and marketing alignment, it's like, Oh, can't we just get along together? But there are so many things as you've talked about that marketers from a sales centric perspective can really do and it's going to help their marketing, right? And it's funny because we have these employee advocacy programs Uh and this is really where sort of internal influencer marketing started and and a lot of them fail, but if you really gear all your marketing activities towards sales as you've recommended, they become natural advocates because you've, you've equipped them with the tools they need to be successful. And maybe that's, that's the way to think about advocacy is give them what they need. Like if you want to develop relationships with influencers, WIFM, what's in it for me, what's in it for the salespeople. And I think that more, hopefully a lot of marketers will listen to what you say and, and really rethink how they operate and, you know, better align themselves with the needs of their sales department.
1: Yeah. So in addition to sales, the sales and marketing alignment in terms of understanding what their needs are, I think a factor. Or layer of a complexity in terms of sales and marketing alignment is the processes. You need to make sure you have a process in place, and also even you guys, even the sales and marketing collaborate. You make sure that you have a tool to support it. Nowadays, you cannot do anything manually anymore. Even though we still export our database into Excel file, even right. though we still use a pivot table, but in general, there are always tools for. There's always an app for something. Everybody is always always using certain kind of platform and certain kind of tools to pull the information to to look into analytics. You need to make sure you have a process and tools in place to support that to in order to move your collaboration forward. And uh, I feel that the processes and the tools tend to be overlooked when people are talking about you know alignments between two different divisions or two different groups. And from my perspective, that's super critical.
0: So what's, are you talking about things like Slack or are something more complex?
1: So great point. You want to be very concrete. For example, if I want to do a lead routing, let's just be very specific. You know, okay. we have to route the leads from a marketing side to a sales side, right? So when you do an outbound marketing and you actually have a lead coming into your website and that lead fill out the form. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you fill out the form, you have that in- person's information. You have that email and you also have the first name and last name. So that information needs to be somehow automatically uploaded or being integrated into the, the marketing automation tool. Right. right. But that person also expressed interest. They want to talk to a salesperson. Therefore, that person needs to be routed to a specific salesperson to carry that conversation. Then If that person needs to be moved, the data flow, now think about data flow, that person needs to be moved into a place that the inside salesperson, I know you joke about inside and outside sales, inside (laughs) salesperson to route it to the right person to talk to. There's a tool that needs to be set up. So there's a connection that needs to happen between the marketing automation tool and to, you know, the whatever uh, routing tool that you are using. It can be CIM. Does that make sense? So right. listen, the connection needs to be set up, the process needs to set up in order to make that routing happen to assign to a specific salesperson. Once that's assigned, obviously a lot of conversation that will happen, we somehow need to track it to make sure that whatever happened to that lead, it's either deal won or deal lost. And with that being said, then you can determine, you can if you can track that clearly from the... the from the lead that's been generated and engaged with us on the website until the deal close and deal uh, uh, one, then you can kind of see what is the marketing's impact overall for the sales stages. Is that helpful? Yeah, no, absolutely. A lot of time, the problem is, what I have noticed, myself included, like the process tend to be fragmented. That Mm. means there are certain points it's always a manual transfer. (laughs) Or there are certain points, the data is not tracked. And therefore, it's actually very hard to understand what is the impact of that specifically, if you will.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I just remember back in the day being in sales. Oh, we had an exhibition, a convention. Hey, you know, Mm -hmm. and marketing's like, hey, we we sent you 2,000 business cards. And it's like- (laughs) Okay,
1: but- Are they relevant? Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Were they relevant or not? Is is one and then like were they tracked? And it's like you know marketing's like, well, we already gave sales all these leads, and then sales is like, we. Yeah, I totally
1: agree. What you just said is what I'm trying to emphasize. The process and tools needs to be connected. Yeah.
0: And the thing is, the tools are are there to be connected. So there's a lot of CRM tools that have marketing automation have web forms so yeah. if you if you architect it and you don't need to be a huge enterprise to invest in these tools either so if you architect it the right way and you're tagging people and you're automating that once someone is tagged it goes to inside sales and an account uh, person is is assigned and so the technology is there even for very very small businesses it's just are they are they doing it or not and you're right that technology yeah. often I think gets over and the process gets overlooked and and the technology does not create the process you need to have the process and then find the technology that helps enable it right i think a lot of companies True. go the other way
1: yeah and I do they end agree up with you yeah. I, i've had
0: clients that bought like you know very small businesses startups about hubspot and they were using just the email functionality it's like let's move you over to something else you know you don't need all this right now when you're bigger you might but but yeah it, it, it's very interesting how people invest in the in the technology without defining the process i'm curious because you wrote the ebook on ai mm-hmm. is there is there any role that ai you see playing in, in the sales marketing relationship or anything that we talked about? Or, or is your ebook on a completely different subject?
1: Oh, no. there's AI is going to play a huge role on everything we do. I mean, even on the commercial side or even our daily lives, right? And Google, like for example, we do Google search. We just type keywords and Google will try to anticipate what we want to write. That's the algorithm or artificial intelligence in work, right? When we talk to our Alexa, we talk to our Siri. That's artificial intelligence in work. We use ways and to try to find the the fastest and the most shortest um, route to wherever we want to go. That's artificial intelligence in work. So the bottom line is AI is embedded into our lives, even though we don't see it. Mm. And uh, so the algorithm is going to play a huge role on the sales and marketing side as well. Just like you said, Neil, like you have 2000 leads that you collected during the event. And is it possible, and I'm just saying out loud, that the AI can pull, based on that business card, with the name of the company, the address of the company, the person, can the AI pull a lot of social profile information directly from the web and try to identify is that the right qualified lead to meet your ideal customer profile, ICP, right? Artificial intelligence can do that. But if we, as a, a manual person, need to do that kind of job, it's going to take us forever, Or we kind of just like resign, which like, you know what? I'm not going to do this. Just I'm going to resign, right? (laughs) Because it's very mundane work. So a lot of the tasks, especially repetitive tasks that can be done by AI. But the problem is AI is machine learning. And uh, so you have to train your machine to think and learn a certain way, just like the image recognition, right? When they see like thousands of Neil Schaefer's images, like from the time you were little until the time you are now, they probably can recognize your faces moving forward when you uploaded your uh, photos into the, the Apple photo library. Mm-hmm. So, but the same thing, that, that same analogy apply. If you want to use AI in sales and marketing application, there's likely you will need to spend some time to train the artificial intelligence to think certain way. And that takes a lot of time to make things happen. Does that make sense? So a lot of time people will feel like, oh, artificial intelligence I can implement and then things will go hunky dory. No, it doesn't. There's a time that you have to make sure that you train the machines, the time that you need to help the machine learn. Therefore, it's kind of like training a little kids, right? It's a potty training. You train the kids to for potty training. Eventually, it's like, okay, you can go to a bathroom by, by himself or herself. That same thing needs to apply to artificial intelligence. I think moving forward, initially, what all of us will be using artificial uh, intelligence through a third-party platform. Then, over a period of time, you can actually hire, like a data analyst or AI experts, to actually build your models to look at your your massive value of a customer database to do additional analysis. But uh, yes, the sky is limit. Come down to artificial intelligence applications in sales and marketing.
0: I've always thought that AI is, is sort of a godsend because we can train it to do those mundane tasks yeah, and to free us up that we can, you know, do greater and greater analysis because the data has already been crunched. But you bring up an important point. The AI is only good. It, it's garbage in, garbage out. Garbage you
1: know? out <laughs> I it, it comes back to data. Again, it comes back to data.
0: Yeah. And, and it's funny because as a user of technology, I've always thought, well, you know, whatever tool companies out there, you have all the data. Why don't you deliver me insights? I don't want to see yeah. like average, you know, retweets per tweet. I want you to Go in and find the keywords of the 10 most retweeted tweets and tell me, you know, and these are things that I I remember going to Marketo Nation when it was still Marketo, like four or five years ago, and Mm -hmm. they were already introducing in their analytics, some components of AI. Yep. Yeah. right and, and so i do agree with you we're gonna hopefully if companies are listening they're going to be uh including a lot more of this into their analysis i've also seen some really really interesting plays with ai in a- ai and natural language processing yeah, or seo totally. for content and we've seen a few startups come out with some voice recognition
1: exciting. voice search and that's going to be a big deal moving forward yep i hear you
0: so i guess if for those out there listening if you are looking for technology, really be asking your vendor what are they doing vis-a-vis AI, right? Yeah, is it on the roadmap? what What are their plans?
1: And also how you can use them and what they can do to actually help you. So yeah, those are the fund those are basic questions, and you should check and also with your vendors and or if you source a new uh, platforms,
0: yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. Well, uh, thank you for answering those AI-related questions. I didn't realize the conversation would <laughs> go that time. way, but no. But since since you've you've obviously have a very broad, you know, expertise from global marketing to B two B content marketing to everything we talked about B two B sales now AI. So thank you so much for you know offering your uh, you know your expertise to the listeners. Where can people go to find out more about you and and you know what's next on your roadmap?
1: Oh, very good. If anybody like to reach out to me for any b2b marketing related questions you just send me your questions on any social media channels except tiktok (laughs) (laughs) but reach out to me on any social media platform or hello at pamdinner.com or just go to my website pamdinner.com love 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 to hear from you if you have any questions love to help
0: and search for her books on amazon once again pam dinner p-a-m-d-i-d-n-e-r well thank you very much pam good luck with everything and we'll hopefully talk to you again in the near future
1: Sounds great. It was wonderful talking to you.
0: All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Pam. You know, my background before social media was B2B sales, biz, dev, and marketing. So I love talking B2B. To many marketers, B2C is just a lot more intuitive. What I do with B2B, I think that sales enablement is really one of these missing pieces that as marketers... If we want to leverage the resources that we have around us, we got to get our salespeople involved. And there's tremendous ROI for everyone when we do that. But it's not in, hey, here's some leads. Why haven't you converted them? It's really breaking down the silos and aligning ourselves with them and trying to figure out the best way forward, especially especially as it relates to content. If content's important in B2C worlds, Man, it's only more important in B2B. So figuring that out is gold. I wanna thank you again for listening to the end. I always like to give shout outs to the people, the listeners in those countries where this podcast is ranking as a top podcast in marketing channels. So Belarus, man, this was uh, actually ranking uh, as a top podcast in business for a while. I wanna thank you all. Finland, Argentina, Portugal, India. India are sending prayers your way because of this, this nasty coronavirus and just the news reports that I'm hearing. South Africa, New Zealand, Denmark, Mexico, Spain, Germany, my friends up north in Canada, and of course, all of my friends here in my native United States of America. Thank you all. I appreciate all the reviews that come in on the various platforms. If you haven't had a chance to review and you feel like just saying a few things of whatever value you got out of this uh, and putting it up there would really mean a lot to me and it really helps in exposing this podcast to other people. Finally, since you've listened this long, if you're interested in my community, which I launched on April 1st, it is going really well. You probably heard my adverts Uh, my pre-roll adverts before previous episodes on it, but you can go to neilshafer.com slash membership to find out more information. Podcasting is actually a huge topic that we're talking about and helping people launch podcasts as well as become guests on other podcasts. So it's not limited to podcasting, but there seems to be a definite interest in that. And as a community, we are helping each other achieve great results in that part of digital marketing. So, hey, That's it for another episode. Wherever you are in the world, make it a great virtual social day. Bye-bye, everybody, and sayonara.